You're listening to the Quince podcast. Fifty-eight constituencies, eleven districts, one hundred and forty-three seats, and the fate of nine sitting ministers are up in the air on 10th February. With the polling in the communally sensitive western Uttar Pradesh underway, West UP often referred as Jharkhand in the media by the virtue of being the Jhar-dominated sugarcane belt of the state, witnessed a high-voltage electoral contest in the run-up to the voting day, with the ruling BJP and the opposition alliance SPRLD trying to woo the community over the past few months. And since 2014, the BJP has flipped the game in West UP, sweeping the entire region in two successive parliament polls and even the last assembly polls. But this time around, the Saffron Party may be nervous about its chances since the equations have changed primarily due to the anger over the now withdrawn contentious farm laws among the Jhar community. The pending dues of sugarcane farmers is another big issue in this region. In today's episode, we'll break down these main issues, the core points of the BJP and SPRLD campaign, and what the trends in this region point towards. To help me unpack this, I'm joined today by Aditya Menon, the Quint's political editor, and Himanshi Dhaya and Fatima Khan, the Quint's correspondents who travelled across Western Uttar Pradesh to bring you stories from the ground. Get tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Emmat. Before we dive into the jarred electoral politics, let's get a sense of the big numbers for the first phase of this election. The eleven districts where the elections will be held are Shamli, Hapur, Gautam Bud Nagar, Muzaffar Nagar, Meerut. Bhagpat, Ghaziabad, Bulandshahar, Aligarh, Mathura and Agra. There are a total of 623 candidates contesting in the 58 constituencies. The ruling BJP party has fielded 17 candidates from the Jhat community while the RLD has fielded 12 Jhat candidates and the SP 6. But how electorally powerful is this community? Here is Aditya Menon, the Queen's political editor explaining the significance. This is the main phase where the Jhat community is uh, dominant. Uh, last time the bjp had 180% of the 58 seats uh, that are voting in the first phase uh, now uh, jards are broadly of three three categories here uh, sugarcane farmers potato farmers and urban jards now uh, where the bjp is facing the maximum amount of uh, of resistance is among sugarcane farmers uh, sugarcane payments have uh, consistently been delayed under the bjp government so sugarcane farmers are the most upset uh, they were also the backbone of the farmers movement uh, so it does seem that this section is decisively turning against the bjp uh, districts like shamli muzaffarnagar bagpat uh, the bjp does seem to be struggling in many of these places the bjp which was restricted to 13 seats in the 2012 assembly elections in this region increased its tally to 65 constituencies in the 2017 polls and the reason behind this jump in polls is the riots which erupted in muzaffarnagar in 2013 which divided the jhat muslim community and changed the political equations and experts claim that the deep fissures that developed between the jhat and muslim communities following the riots is what led to the bjp's massive electoral footprint in western up Now coming to the equations of Jharkhand politics. This community in the past has brought the BJP to power in three successive elections: 2014, the 2019 Lok Sabha elections, and the 2017 Assembly polls. It would be safe to say that the BJP has created a solid foundation in this region. 
and the reason i stressed on wood is because there is a shift in the political atmosphere due to the year long face off this community has had with the modi government over the contentious farm laws and this shift is visible in muzaffarnagar where the riots took place and where the bjp still enjoys some appeal however some jhart farmers are angered over how the center handles the farm issues Fatima Khan the Queen's correspondent who traveled to Muzaffarnagar earlier this month speaks about her conversations with the farmers and the pertinent issues they are facing So I think it was interesting for me to see what you know the, the fact that ISPRLD had announced that alliance and that was a very big uh, move from both those parties so whether mm-hmm. or not that had any impact on the farmers men and you know frankly I thought that um there was of course a lot of anger on ground there was a lot of continued simmering anger uh, in the farmer community generally speaking mm-hmm. over a number of issues of course the fact that they felt that they haven't been given enough uh, price for their crops the fact that uh, electricity prices are extremely high um, all of those things mm-hmm. uh, but I, i mean of course regarding the farmers protest one really important conversation i had with a bunch of farmers was that they of course they were angry over the farm laws and 13 month long tumultuous period all the deaths that had taken place in that period but also just the fact that you know there was this active demonizing that they felt that they were subjected to whether the khalistani pakistani bar something that i felt was a really raw nerve that had been touched because you know traditionally in our country um, army people and Uh, are the two kind of kisan or uh, uh, jawan you know how mm-hmm. these these are two kind of pillars of the yeah. country uh, perceived to be the pillars of the country so that was something that really hurt them um but you know notwithstanding all these issues there was of course a section of farmers i met in so many words they told me that uh, you know we are hindus first and farmers later so that for me was very interesting that they unequivocally said that look all of these were issues and we did feel hurt um, but the, and of course you know the reason why i picked muzaffarnagar was also that the, uh, the 2013 uh, muzaffarnagar riots that i talked about often um, i think you know the, the kind of spillover effect they had in the other districts as well uh, mm-hmm. that made a huge difference because they, they kind of you know what's what's going around in muzaffarnagar ends up uh, in some to some extent determining how people are feeling around that area as well this whole western uti belt Now the BJP over the past few years and especially in the months running up to the elections has kept its attack on its main competitor the Akhilesh Yadav led Samajwadi party slamming the party first law and order track record while it was in government in a rally on 8 February UP CM Yogi Adityanath stated that developments in the state through projects like the Noida International Airport in Jaipur a new film city in Noida and other big ticket initiatives announced in the region have now replaced the quote unquote riots and exodus however the queen's correspondent himanshi dhaiya traveled to jaipur earlier this year and uncovered that while the state government has acquired lands from the farmers for the noida international airport but left them without any monetary compensation in return himanshi narrates her conversations with the farmers she spoke to in jaipur and their demands from the state government uh you know jaipur airport as all of us all of us know is a very ambitious project of uh, the yogi government in uttar pradesh uh when uh, the land acquisition process started at that time the farmers were uh, you know just in line with what is promised every time they were yeah. promised uh, alternate housing they were promised that they'll be rehabilitated and they were promised compensation in terms of money and i went there i mean the responses were really mixed people said that uh the entire process of rehabilitation and compensation 
was not carried out in a systematic manner mm-hmm. one uh, complaint which almost everybody in the area had was that uh, the government policy to uh, compensate people in uh, in villages in when land is acquired in rural areas and when land is acquired in you know urban areas or a municipal uh, you know in 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 sectors or something uh, the policy is different so when land is acquired in rural areas people are given four times the compensation of for the circle rate in the area yeah. but when it's acquired in urban areas the compensation is twice so what happened was what a lot of farmers told me was that uh, before the acquisition started right before the process of acquisition started mm-hmm. uh, their villages were declared as a part of the municipal corporation so you know overnight they were told that their village is now the part of the of a town or a part of uh the urban belt in uh in the area that automatically br- brought down their compensation from four times to two times so that is one issue and uh, even and, and a lot of them said that okay even if we go with the uh, you know even if we were if we were supposed to accept that give us twice the compensation of what we were promised uh, even that process was not systematic even um, you know in that some people were given money some people were not given money uh, some people who co- who were co-owners of the land because what mm-hmm. happens is that uh, sometimes two people in the family own the land together right mm-hmm. maybe two brothers owned it together or uh, there were there were um, stakes of cousins or like entire family owned the land collectively so yeah. in that case who's in whose account are you transferring the money mm-hmm. so one person is like my uh, this my share of money was transferred to my brother's account and now you know we and i have to fight another legal battle yeah. to get the money from him it was a very haphazardly conducted exercise Mm-hmm. and uh, some were given money some were not given money in terms of rehabilitation they were uh, rehabilitated to a place very close to where they're currently living but mm-hmm. the living conditions were really poor they said that they were just given land and um, you know houses which did not have electricity which did not have water connection there were no roads nothing so uh, you know even though they were rehabilitated the living conditions were uh, uh, not fit to live there so what a lot of farmers did was they uh, constructed tents in uh, in the in dayanathpur village where i went uh, the place where their land was acquired so they now living in tents on their land which has been acquired by the government for the airport in terms of jobs again uh, they have to wait because they'll be given jobs when the airport once the airport comes up right so they'll all they've all been promised jobs uh, at the airport but one of the stories which uh, really stood out for me in your video as well the video story that you did for uh, uh, for this jaiver airport was the story of vikas singh as well and how he the government the state government had acquired about 1200 square meters of his land but when they reallocated him it was he was only allotted 600 square meters if i'm not, if I'm not wrong can you yeah. speak about his story as well like Uh, because that was something which really stood out uh, for me and also i'm sure for the listeners as well hmm so vikas you know like a lot of other uh, people in the village he was uh, he had like a huge plot of land but what happens is that people do not have uh, they, he might not have constructed a house in the entire area right some area might have just been left for his cattle or uh, for other activities which people in villages usually do so uh, he uh, from what he told me was that he was allocated just uh, half of what the uh, what was acquired from him keeping mm-hmm. that in mind he was also promised that a, a separate car, uh, you know shelter will be given for your cattle uh, he was promised some uh, grazing land for his cattle but again none of that has happened 
um when he was telling me that uh, you know i had two buffaloes i had a cow uh, my buffaloes do not have space to just go around right like mm. now they are in a very in very poor health his cow died and while all of mm. this might not mean so much to us for someone who who you know earned a living through his cattle i think yeah. that sort of just meant a lot to him so uh yeah i mean with vikas vikas's story sort of uh, reflected I, i could i could i heard the same narrative from a lot of people who said that uh, they really did not get uh, in a, uh, equal, uh, you know land equal to what was acquired they again did not get the same compensation that was promised so the entire like i said the entire um, process was very hastily and very haphazardly carried out Mm-hmm. with no one probably you know keeping a direct eye on what's happening with these people who okay. who face the brunt thing which stood out for me was also your teaser that you did for this uh, uh for this video story was the demand for a kabristan from these people can you speak on that like we have yes. all heard about jaipur airport but the demand for a kabristan is something which is which really does stand out for especially any community yeah so you know um a lot of people who live there they've been living there for generations i mean their fans their ancestors lived in the area and obviously when a settlement comes around uh, you know in a locality uh, everything comes around that place right so yeah. uh, they not only had their homes and their livelihood attached to the land they also had other things of uh, came up so uh-huh. one demand which everybody every person i spoke to in that area uh, you know came the, every person came up with was that can we uh, do we not even have a cemetery do we not even have a graveyard mm-hmm. will we not how where do we go to bury our dead because the entire place now with the acquisition process started and uh, at some places even construction has started and these people they're living in tents with no electricity no water nothing so they also do not have a place to bury their dead and uh, someone i was taken aback when a person said that you know um, when someone dies in our community we uh, take the dead body in a way that we do not disturb it at all right like the the entire process is carried out in a way uh, that it's very smooth and the dead body does not get disturbed mm-hmm. but now we are we take our dead bodies in cars in uh, those uh, mini vans and we have to take them to different villages and uh, you know uh, they, they just keep bumping on every speed breaker yeah. that comes and when we take them to another village people refuse to let us bury our bodies there because mm-hmm. of coronavirus and you know a hundred other things have come up yeah so yeah i mean the demand for a graveyard or a cemetery was unequivocally um, you know sort of uh, it, it just came up from every every person i spoke to as i mentioned earlier the bjp was able to capitalize on the differences which emerged between the jat and muslim communities in western up after the 2013 muzaffarnagar riots the muslim population in the region according to money control report is about 24% and combined that with the jat voters it may tilt the election in favor of the sprld in western up this time around and though the year long farmers protest has pitted the jat community against the bjp the opposition having any sway in this election will depend upon these two communities burying the differences so what has been the sp and rld's campaign for the first days been like what are the election promises aditya weizen you must remember that this is an area where communal polarization is high 
so the uh, main challenge for the SP and RLD is uh, to counter that and provide a counter narrative. Uh, their main pitch has been on uh, employment. Uh, they have promised uh, uh, an increased uh, increased recruitment in government jobs, and uh, they have also promised uh, timely and higher payments uh, for sugarcane farmers. Uh, also, electricity waiver uh, uh, up to a certain limit. Uh, that's another key promise uh, for them. So, uh, I think what seems to be happening is the SPRLD is trying to keep the focus on economic issues and unemployment. You know, the, the Ganna versus Jinnah debate, as Jan Chaudhary has put it. Uh, so, that is what they are trying to do uh, in this phase. Whether they are successful or not, uh, obviously, we would know when, when the numbers come. The results of this election on 10th March will tell us whether the ground realities have shifted in Western UP or whether the BJP is right in pursuing its tried and tested strategy of Hindu-Muslim polarization. We also have a brand new podcast by Quint Hindi focused on this highly competitive election called Yejo UP Hena, where we take you to the key contentious issues in the state in detail. You can find a link to that podcast in our show notes. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.